Kafei Tevet, Tafshin Ayin Zayin, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Last week, we told you about um, Mayor Banai, who passed away, and how his family is so um, involved in Israeli uh, culture, music especially. Um, that was his cousin, Ehud Banai, also a Baal Tshuva, who um, brought us Hashminiat Kolech, um, a song written, composed by Shlomo Kalbach, and that um, that particular version was by Ehud Banai. Welcome, one and all, to yet another live edition of The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. We are on the Nachum Siegel Network. Very proud and happy to be with you here, as we are each and every Monday, immediately following JM and the AM, 9 a.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Israel time. It's um, great to have you along if you're listening live, as some do, and if you're listening on demand, you can listen on demand whenever you want. You can go to NachumSiegel.com and go to the archives or get that great free app, the Nachum Siegel Network app. That's the key. That's your entrance to everything in great Jewish media, in great Jewish radio. So if you get the Nachum Siegel Network app, you could download each 
episode of The Israel Show, as you can for all the other shows, and listen to it on demand, as we call it. It's uh, Listen at Your Leisure, L-A-L. We have a very, very, very exciting show. We have some nice stories to tell you from Israel. And we'll also share with you a thought from the, two thoughts actually, from the parsha that we just read, Parshat Shmot. One will be in the form of a Meir Milim segment, and um, the other will be um, just a regular sort of Dvar Torah, which, which fits into our more modern society and the current events and uh, current events of the last century. I don't know how current that is. Anyway, we're going to keep the music going first, and then we'll get to all the other stuff. This is Pugi. The name of the song is Hatamnun Ha'iter. A tamnun is an octopus. Um, it has, I believe, eight hands, right? Taman in Aramaic is eight. Tamnun is the uh, modern Hebrew word for an octopus. An iter is a, someone who is left-handed. <laughs> so a typical Pugi style with their warped sense of humor. Um, the name of the song is The Left-Handed Octopus. <laughs> Here it is. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs>
The great Poogie. That was off of the album Poogie, the last concert performance. Um, and that was one of their classics, Hatanun Ha Iter. Thanks for all who are listening um, and are checking in on the app. We have a listener, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce that um, handle, but this listener writes, listening from Rio Grande, Puerto Rico. On intercession vacation. That's so cool. Thank you very much. Um, and we know that we have listeners all over the world, and we appreciate you all for that. Um, interesting story. It took place in Israel about a week and a half ago, or two weeks ago, maybe, to be more specific. You know, we've seen in the past that the lone soldiers, those who uh, have no family, really, in Israel, and who come to serve in the IDF in Sahal, they're never really alone. Max Steinberg, Sean Carmeli, Shlomo Rindenau are but uh, a few of the examples where thousands, thousands of Israelis, total strangers, heard the call through social media and came to their funerals, engulfing the families that had come from America with love, they paid shiva calls to their families. To, these are families they never met or even heard of. It started during the last Aza war. And it is really one of the most beautiful scenes that you can imagine. As sad as it is that we're talking about a funeral. But last week there was another such case. But this time, there was a twist to the story. 20-year-old corporal Slav Gargai wasn't killed in battle. He was killed during an equipment mishap where he was uh, working on his tank and um, something got loose and hit him, very sharp piece of metal, and hit him in the head and he was killed. But that's not the twist, no. Slav Gargai and his mother Tanya made Aliyah from Ukraine. They had almost no family or friends in Israel. Tanya, imagine this mother who is now going to bury her only son. She has nobody to hold her, to hug her, nobody's shoulder to cry on. And so his mother requested... And, yes, even the Prime Minister echoed her request to the general public, come, come and give support to this woman, this Ola, who just lost her only son in the IDF. Well, we still haven't told you what the twist was. The cemetery in Rishon Lezion was filled to capacity. Over a thousand people came to show their respects. The parking lot was so jam-packed, it was <laughs> it was like a parking lot. Overflowing with cars and buses trying to maneuver in and out. A thousand strangers, quote-unquote strangers, came early afternoon on a Monday to be with a fellow soldier. His Golani comrades stood shoulder to shoulder as an honor guard. You saw black-skinned Ethiopian soldiers standing at attention together with red-bearded Yeshiva Hezder graduates. They came to bury Slav Gargay, just as he came to fight alongside them. And the twist? You see, Slav Gargay was not Jewish. He was Russian Orthodox. And imagine how beautiful, yet strange, this scene is. In the center of this crowd, this crowd of soldiers, just above the grave stood his priest, waving the incense, robed in 
the Russian Orthodox dress a cross around his neck. It's almost surreal. Who would have thought? A generation ago, my father, Allah Shalom, used to tell us about how the Ukraines were the worst of our enemies. They didn't, the Nazis didn't need to do any work when they came into the Ukraine. The Ukrainians did it on their own. But when a, when a young man comes to Israel and is ready to put his life on the line, as he happened to do, in order to serve and protect the land of Israel and the people of Israel, it is fitting that thousands come out to honor him, even it even if it is in a rather unusual setting, with the priest and the cross and the incense. Because a lone soldier, be he Jew or not, of the IDF, should never be alone. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Arielle Horowitz wrote and sings that beautiful tribute to uh, the first of those massive funerals for lone soldiers. That was the one for Sean Carmeli. Esrimelef ich acharecha Sean. 20,000 people marching behind you, Sean. And in fact, there were 20,000 people at his funeral and well over 10,000 people at Max Steinberg's funeral. And uh, to this very day, their families um, are are so involved and committed to Israel and, and feel that Israel is a part of them, like un- I can't imagine. Esrim um, Elafish, this song, which really um, hit home at the time, was written, as I mentioned, by Ariel Horowitz, and we've said it before, should mention it again, Ariel Horowitz is the son of Naomi Shemer. And so, yeah. It's in the gene pool. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you very, very much for tuning in. Boy, 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 boy. We have such, uh, we have such great comments on the... Uh, first of all, uh, we have... Let's see, we mentioned the listener in Puerto Rico. We have another listener in the Poconos who checked in. Deerfield Beach checked in. Thank you so much. That's cool. We appreciate that, and we appreciate your other comments. And uh, Benji Kramer, our dear friend, writes in, En davar chayal boded. And um, he says this as the father of a chayal boded in Israel at this very moment. And that's true. En davar chayal boded. That's the, uh, from the words of um, Ariel Horowitz. So, I want to call your attention to a fascinating website. I mentioned it before, but now there's some news, so I'm going to mention it again. Oh, you know what? Before I do that, let me just remind you that Esrimela Fish, that beautiful song, and all the songs that we play today on the show are available on, almost all of them, are available on YouTube as, as uh, music videos. And as we do each and every week, we'll do it this week as well, after the show, within an hour probably, we'll post on our Facebook page the playlist, links to the playlist of all the songs we played today, and you can listen to them whenever you want. That's on Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. And we appreciate that you like the uh, you like the Facebook page. It's important for us that you like um, the page itself. And uh, obviously, if we post something and you like it, that you should like that too. We're uh, making some progress with the likes. We're up to 417 likes, and that's great. We really, it's been a big push recently. So we're making our way, we're trudging our way on to 500. Back to uh, the topic that I started before I stopped it and started a different topic. Uh, (laughs) The um, alhatorah.org is a website that, it, it it started out as a website to help people study Torah and to help teachers teach. And it had the text and it had various different um, expositions, if you will, on topics for each parsha, discussion points, and it would bring all the sources and so forth. But this site has developed beyond anything you can imagine. So first of all, they added the Mikroot Gedolot so that you could see almost any of the major mefarshim, any of the major commentators, and and some that you wouldn't find in a regular Mikrot Gdolot, some that you would only find in, like the Mikrot Gdolot HaKeter and some other places. Um, great Rishonim, whose, whose commentaries, until recently, we weren't really privileged to have. And they're amazing. These are commentators that lived at the same time as Rashi. Some of them studied with Rashi, some after, just after. And um, then, after adding the Mikrot Kedolot, which is amazing, because you can, you can do everything with it. I mean, you can pick a Pasuk and see, you can choose which of the Mepharshim you want. And and it's not only Rishonim, it's Rishonim, it's Achronim, they have Shadala Torah, they have the Nitziv, they have Rudavitz Tzvi Hoffman, of the, of, these are all of the more modern ones, in addition to, to throughout the generations, different commentators. It is really 
fantastic. And you can see the different commentators on the way it's set up is just ingenious, really. You have the pasuk on the top and then each mefaresh underneath and each is little color-coded flag, so to speak, as to see who you're seeing. The Ibn Ezra, both of the Perushim, we know that Ibn Ezra wrote many Perushim. We have some. Now they've published in most of the new Mikrot Gedolot, they published both, the, the what they call Aleph and Bed, or the Katsar or the, and the Aruch. Um, and now they went ahead and added a concordancia, a, a, a concordance, meaning if you're reading the text online, you can click on any word and you will see where it appears in Tanakh, the same word, the same root, and on the side you have how the same root appears differently in different places. It's, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I can't tell you how easy it is to use. That's a big part of it. I don't even want to say that's a big part of it because what's really a big part of it is that everything is there. And if you're anywhere and you have an iPod, I'm sorry, if you have an iPad on you, even if an iPhone, although it's a little harder, it, it works very well. It's adjusted to work on the iPad and the iPhones and other tablets. You, you, you want to look something up, it's right there. It's right there and easy to, to find with all the Mefarshim right there together with the Pasuk. It's amazing. Ah, but you think that itself is amazing. With the accordance, with the concordance, with Dolot, with all the various Mefarshim, some of which we we uh, are not used to seeing in Dolot. Yeah? Well, now they, they just added another feature. I don't know how they do it so fast, honestly. They added in a link, a, a hyperlink, meaning you can click on a word and get to the definition of that word in what is called BDB. BDB is uh, well-known to, um, to scholars of, um, of the Bible, <laughs> of Tanakh, as uh, being a, a very important lexicon of the words of the Tanakh. Any word in Tanakh, you you click on it, you can then choose BDB, and you will see the entry that uh, this lexicon has. BDB is a, a mnemonic, or a Sheh Tevot, of three names, um, and I could look it up right now, but I, I just, I don't remember. One is dr- driver, or driver, I don't remember the other two, but it doesn't matter. So always known as BDB. Um, I must tell you that it, it's a great tool, as I prepare oftentimes the Meir Milim segment, it becomes a great tool to see how uh, they explain a certain shorish and its various different uses, and it shows you where in Tanakh it appears in its in, in its different bases. So, you know, Kal and Nifal and Piel and it is an extraordinary um, work, and it is used by scholars. The only problem is it is very hard to read, very hard to read. It's like one big glop of of text, all mushed in, uh, half of which is Rashi Tevot, mnemonics, you know, uh, that you don't know how to un, 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 unfurl, how to, how to understand what they've done at alhatorah.org is that when you take your cursor and move over a, a, a mnemonic Rashi Tevot, it shows you that you have those little tool tips, I think they're called, those little yellow boxes that come up, t- showing you what the what that means, what those initials mean. And if they cite a pasuk, as they very often do, most of the time, in, they're citing psukim in which this particular word is used, you have a hyperlink click, and then it opens up another window for you with the pasuk right there. It's... It's it's just amazing. And you know what? It's free. Oh, my gosh. So what do you have to lose? Nothing. This is just an amazing tool for people who study Tanakh. An amazing, amazing tool. Alhatorah.org. A-L-H-A-T-O-R-A-H. A-L-H-A-T-O-R-A-H. 
H-A-T-O-R-A-H dot O-R-G. We'll post a link on our Facebook page, Facebook dot Facebook slash Facebook.com slash The Israel Show. We'll post a link to the alhatorah.org. And uh, you'll be able to see it there. And and we ask you, surely, to... Um, you can register. It's free. It's absolutely free. You can register. And if they ask you how you heard about it, you could say you heard about it on The Israel Show. Um, you don't have to register if you don't want to. It's it's just out there for the seaboard to use. And it is the, the brainchild and the work of one, one uh, person... Um, I don't know if he wants me to mention his name or not, so for now I won't. Uh, it is just incredible and awesome, and you should uh, take a look at it. Uh, we're going to go to Yesh Shamayim Alai. It's a duet of Aviatar Banai and Aviv Geffen. Now, Aviatar Banai is the brother of Mayor Banai, who we spoke about a lot in the last weeks. Um, and Aviv Geffen is a totally secular I would say atheist probably, or agnostic, but probably atheist. Um, someone who I don't necessarily look up to is one of those uh, artists that are not exactly uh, of the moral material that you feel you would want to have as a role model for kids. But Aviv Geffen, interestingly, through the music, became very friendly with Eviatar Banai, who was a Choser Betshuva. Aviv Geffen was at the funeral of Mayor Banai, and he holds them in high regard. And as we always say, as Ruf Cook mentioned, and, and as we always uh, repeat, the first step in, in reaching, in having people reach an understanding of Torah is for them to have respect for it. And the way you gain respect for it is by gaining respect for people of Torah. And so these artists like Evyatar Banai, like Meir Banai Alava Shalom, like, um, like Ehud Banai, and so many more, so many more, um, are um, a model of how we can just show by personal example how a Torah Jew behaves. And by doing that, we influence so many others and bring them to at least that point where they have respect for Torah. So this is a duet, Evyatar Banai and Aviv Geffen. They wrote it together. The name of the song is Yesh Shamaim Me'alai. After that, we're going to have a uh, Hebrew language segment referring back to uh, something from uh, the parsha we just read a few days ago. And we'll continue with the music. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
In our Meir Milim segment, we shed light on a word or phrase in the Hebrew language. Meir Milim is inspired by the Galei Tzahal radio segments of Dr. Avshalom Kor and informed by the teachings of Dr. Lior Gottlieb. Here is this week's installment. This is not going to be an easy assignment, but imagine that you are a shepherd in charge of a large flock of sheep. I don't imagine that anyone listening to this was ever a shepherd, but just using common sense, you're a shepherd. When lunchtime comes and you need to feed your hungry herd, would you take them to graze in the desert? What are they going to eat in the desert where nothing but endless miles of yellow sand fill the horizon? Yet, that is exactly what Moshe does in the introductory pasuk to the story of the burning bush. U Moshe Moshe was shepherding Yitro's flock, Vainhag et Hatson, Achar Hamidbar, and he led the sheep to the Midbar. One of two possibilities here. Either Moshe is a really bad shepherd, or Midbar isn't what we think it is. Let's take a closer look at Midbar. There are lands of many types on this beautiful planet. On one end of the spectrum, you have the sand-filled, desolate, barren desert, like the Sahara. On the other end of the scale, you have lush agricultural fields that can be plowed and planted, used to grow the crops from which we ultimately make our food. The Midbar is somewhere in between those two extremes. It's uninhabited, and it's in Eretz Lo Zeru'ah. You can't plant crops. But the Midbar is a place that has wide areas of greenery, lots of shrubbery, and small bushes that the sheep can graze on. Not surprisingly, when Moshe is in the Midbar, he encounters a small bush. A burning bush, no less. In fact... The origin of the word Midbar is from Dabar, which means to lead, Lehanhig. The Midbar is the place of pasture to which the shepherd leads the sheep, and that's where it gets its name from. For extra credit, take a look at Unklos on this Pasuk, Shmot Perigimel, Pasuk Aleph. Knowing now that in both Hebrew and Aramaic, Dabar means Manhig, a leader, we can understand two relatively well-known Aramaic phrases. Fast forward to the end of the Chumash, Parshat Vayelech, as Moshe's life and leadership role are coming to a close. God engineers a peaceful transition of power from Moshe to Yehoshua. God says to Yehoshua, Yehoshua, now you're the man. You alone are in charge. Rashi cites the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Dabar echad lidor, ve'en shnei dabarim lidor. I always thought it means there can be only one spokesperson, one person who speaks on behalf of the generation from the word ledaber, 
But now we know that Dabarachad means Manhigechad. Every generation has one leader, and now Yehoshua is it. One more. At times when the rabbis of the Talmud aren't sure about the specific way that a mitzvah is customarily performed, the rabbis say, Puk chazei mai amadavar. Puk, go out, go out to the public, chazei, see, mai amadavar, what the people are debar. Again, I thought it means go out and see what the people say. But now we know that if debar means manhig, then puk chazei mai ama. Davar means go out and see how the people are no hague. What is their minhag? What the people do customarily. Dabar is a manhig, a leader. Midbar is the place that the leader, the shepherd, leads the flock to graze. And now we know that Moshe was not only a great leader, he was a pretty good shepherd too. And that's this week's installment of the Meir Milim segment. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Al bitenu hatino ketchmoreli hato Ala eshame boere Ala manimazakim Ala isha shavaha baita Oh, <laughs> 
that's a song that I assume most of uh, you have heard in some form or another. That particular version is the original. The song was written by Naomi Shemer. She wrote the melody and the words, as she always did, almost always. What what a brilliant genius of heart and soul and mind. And um, Yossi Banai is the one who she wrote the song for, and that was the original, as I mentioned, then it was covered, meaning sung by other artists, probably thousands of times over the years. It was released originally in 1980. Wow. And uh, so that's yet another one of the Banai family. This particular one is of the previous generation. He's the uncle, if you will, of the different Banais um, that we've been talking about, Ohad, uh, Ehud Banai, and Aviatar Banai, and the late Mayor Banai. Um, And uh, he led a totally secular life, and uh, it was rather shocking to see how many of his uh, family members um, of the next generation returned to their roots because their family was a religious family, a typical Sephardic religious family. They came from Persia, I think, like seven generations uh, ago. And um, so that rounds out all the Banais that we were talking about today. We played from Ehud Banai, we played from Eviatar Banai, and Yossi Banai. Um, I figured I'm going to give this a shot. We'll try and learn um, something together from the Ibn Ezra, Avraham Ibn Ezra, one of the classic Mefarshim, Rishonim, of the Chumash. And this is Ibn Ezra. Now, I have a reason for, for studying this particular Ibn Ezra. It's not, I'm not giving a shear, per se. Um, uh, th- there's hopefully something to be learned from this. Um, so the Ebn Ezra comments on the fact that Moshe's mother puts him in the basket and sends him down um, the Nile, so to speak, puts him on the banks of the Nile. And it's it's a little surprising. Like, what, what, what moved her to do this? Did all the mothers uh, do this? Did all the mothers put their kids, in, instead of drowning them in the Nile, try to sort of get around the edict by putting them in denial, but in a basket and so forth. And and then, what are the chances that he would survive? And what are the chances that he would be rescued by the daughter, if you will, of Hitler, right? Paro was basically carrying out genocide on the Jewish people. He was pre-Hitler Hitler. So imagine Hitler's daughter saves a Jew during the Holocaust. You can imagine the outrage. And here, the daughter of Paro saves this Jewish child and brings him up as her own. She adopts him. And it's weird. Ben Ezra basically says, why is it that God set things up in such a way that the Savior of Israel, the man who gave us later the, brought down the Torah from God, grew up uh, not amongst Jews in an Egyptian uh, palace. And he wasn't even a slave. He was trying to rescue his people, trying to save his people, take them out of Egypt, take them out of slavery, out of bondage, but he, he did not suffer from that bondage. He was a free man. Isn't it strange? And Ibn Ezra says, Hashem amku, besodo, That's various different ways of saying we have no clue why God has events happen in a particular way. But, Ibn Ezra says, we'll, we'll hazard a guess. Ulai, the reason that God set things up that Moshe would grow up in the house of royalty so that 
he would grow up with the psyche of a prince. He would see himself as royalty. He would have great self-confidence. He would, he would know that he can act if he needed to act. Didn't have a slave mentality. It was important that he wasn't a slave because when you have a slave mentality, you can't always accept things. Look how the Jews in Egypt, that's oftentimes in Farshim say, Jews coming out of Egypt, how they behaved in the Midbar, they were complaining. They had a slave mentality. Let's go back to Egypt. We like the food there and so forth. Moshe, says the Ibn Ezra, maybe he was brought up in the palace as a prince so that he shouldn't have the slave mentality. He shows the Ibn Ezra how Moshe acted bravely, openly, brazenly, something that a, a slave couldn't do. He killed the Mitzri. He helped the Benot Midian, the, the daughters of Yitro, at the well. He confronted those, those shepherds who were uh, not letting them get to the water. He stood up. He stood up to fight. He stood up for what was right against what was wrong. And that, says the Ibn Ezra, that couldn't come from someone who grew up with a slave mentality. That's one reason. Another reason, he says, maybe, maybe, ki ilu haya gadel ben echav, if he would have grown up as a Jew with all the other Jews, in, in the shtetl or in the bungalow colony, right? And they would know him since he's a child, you know, from childhood. They would have no respect for him because they would say, who's Moshe? You know, I remember when he was a little kid and, 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 he, and, and he was being fed from the bottle. I remember him when he walked around in short pants. Are you kidding, Moshe? I remember he would swim in the, in the little kid's pool. That's human nature, right? It's definitely Jewish nature. So who is he? He's going to be a big big shot. Ha! Huh? Such a big shot, he's going to go to Paro. And that's what the Ibn Ezra says, and I'm sure the Ibn Ezra is talking somewhat from, from his own experiences, right? That if the leader that is going to represent us to the Goyim, to the other nations, grew up amongst us, we would downgrade him. We wouldn't look at him in the same way. And I think there's a lesson for these past generations that we've been living through. You know, I've often heard a claim, and I've wondered myself, as we see this process of Geulah unfolding, the coming of Mashiach, we see this process so far along already. And often we ask, why did God bring about the state of Israel through a secular, assimilated messenger such as Theodor Herzl, who, who began that kernel of political Zionism? Well, some might say if the leadership would have been orthodox, it wouldn't have attracted a wide following of Jews. Zionism would have seemed like a small sectarian group. The fact is that decades before Herzl, you had Rabbanim calling on the Jewish people to, to go to Eretz Yisrael. Rav Al-Kalai, Rav Shmuel, Malav, Rav Tzvi, Hirsch, Kalashur, the Nitziv, Rav Moshe Mordechai Epstein, who himself took the, the uh, Navarak Yeshiva to, um, to, uh, to Hebron and then was chased out of there and ended up in Yerushalayim in the Hebron Yeshiva. So, maybe that's one reason, but also maybe... Because Herzl was brought up as an assimilated Jew and he became a well-known journalist and author and playwright, he could do things that the Jews who were so persecuted throughout the, the previous generations couldn't do. He could stand up and go to a meeting at the Sultan. I don't know that your average Jewish peasant growing up in Russia would be able to present himself to the Sultan of Turkey or to the Kaiser of Germany. And so he needed to have the mentality, maybe, 
of the secular non-Jew, both that he should be respected by others and that he should be able to feel within himself that he has the self-confidence to go and do this. And maybe also so that other people shouldn't say, ah, Herzl, he grew up with me in the shtetl, who is he? But I think it's the first reason. I think the first reason makes more sense. It wouldn't have been accepted. It would have been just seen as a sectarian group. And we see that that's what happened. And he wouldn't have had the courage and the guts necessarily to go and do what he did. Maybe yes, maybe no. I think it's something that we could take away. It's a message. We're not comparing Moshe to Herzl, please. I, I don't, don't, no emails about that. Um, no, we're trying to take away a message from how the Ibn Ezra sees um, the story of Moshe and Moshe's um, unusual upbringing in, uh, in, in, in a non-Jewish home and to become the leader of the Jews. We're going to end off with something cute I found. It is... Um, a Hebrew version of the Beatles song Yesterday. And it is sung by <laughs> Yaffa Yarkoni and Arik Einstein. I mean, that is really cool. And the words are really nice also. The words are by Chaim Hefer, poet, a well-known writer in Israel. Chaim Hefer wrote the words. We're going to post the link to uh, the video if you like to take a look at it and hear it and see the words uh, later on. We'll end off with that. Not before... We say thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, an hour of great Jewish music, followed by an encore presentation of headlines with David Lichtenstein and then the great Monday Music Marathon. I'll be filling in for Nachum tomorrow over at JM in the AM. It'll be my debut not in the radio studio. That should be interesting. Wish me luck. You're all invited to tune in, 6 to 9, and to stay with the stream all day. And then uh, we'll be back here next Monday. So until the next time we meet, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. Thank you.